What are you talking about? I'm Santa Claus. No, you're not. Uh, why, of course I am. <laughs> well, if you're Santa, what song did I sing for you on your birthday this year? Uh, happy birthday, of course. <laughs> uh, so, uh, how old are you, son? Four. You're a big boy. What's your name? Paul. And uh, what can I Paul, get you for Christmas? Don't tell him what you want. He's a liar. Let the kid talk. You disgust me. How can you live with yourself? Just cool it, Zippy. You sit on a throne of lies. Look, I'm not kidding. You're a fake. I'm a fake? Yes. How'd you like to be dead? Huh? No, he's kidding. You stink. I think you're gonna have a good Christmas, all right? You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. Okay. <gasps> <gasps> he's an imposter! He's a fake! Let's not begin with uh, scripture today. Uh, we're going to start off with the, one, of the, uh, one of the two books in the Bible that uh, we use quite often in the Christian tradition to talk about the birth of Jesus. So we're going to go into Matthew. So if you, can, if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And yes, it's on the screen, but I do encourage you to take out your Bibles because I would like you to, to find a way to highlight some of the words that I would recommend to highlight during your own devotions as well. So let us begin with uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. Verse 18. Read along with me if you can. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. <coughs> His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now let's move on to chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw that his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Verse 3. When the king heard this, he was disturbed. Underline that word disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. Now, 
just like Santa Claus up on the screen there when we watched, how many of us have been foiled? The jig is up. You know, we've been lying or somehow, you know, been lying to somebody and then uh, suddenly we got caught because we lied, right? Uh, I still remember, we, Rosanna and I are now encountering this with our six-year-old, with our six-year-old daughter. Uh, every time she, uh, we ask her, have you washed your hands before she sat down in a, uh, for dinner? She would go, yes. And then Rosanna would go, can I smell your hands? She goes, don't. <laughs> right? <laughs> because, you know, because we wanted to smell if her hands have soap on it, right? Or not, and, you know, is it clean? And then she goes, oh! And then she goes, and then walks into, into the washroom and comes back. And then we hear her grumbling, right? I got caught again. How often? And it's funny thing about six-year-olds. If you get caught so many times, why do you keep doing it? Yeah, go figure. Anyway, so that's our experience. And then, I, of course, I told you about my stories when I was young, about cheating on the, my piano practices at home, how I took advantage of the dual cassette recorders, right? Where, you know, whenever I practice uh, one day, I would record it. And then I guess I, uh, our piano is downstairs in the basement and my mom's usually cooking in the upstairs. And I go, hey, if I figure that I could record myself, and then the next day I'll just play it really loud and just sit back and realize what TV. Maybe my mom doesn't know. Maybe she thinks I'm still practicing. And I, all along I thought it would work, but I always get caught because when I go to my weekly practices, guess what happens? Like, it's obvious that I didn't practice, right? And my mom knew. I, one time I asked her that, like, um, when I was like, in my 20s, I go, have you ever, did you know that? I was, she goes, of course I did. I, I knew like, that you were recording yourself. Like, come on, you can't play that bad every day, right? Anyway, so, and then, um, so that was, my, that, were, that was my story. And then, uh, of course, now, Rosanna has taken to a very liking to a particular TV series, uh, right, called Suits. It's an excellent show, apparently, according to Janice. So please, watch it, because Janice is the truth. <laughs> All right? So, and, like, uh, it's, it's Suits. And the storyline, well, okay, the first few seasons, the first, like, maybe three seasons were better, because uh, if you see the guy on your left in the red tie, Mike, uh, for the first three seasons, he was pretending to be a lawyer. He never had a law degree, he didn't take a bar exam, but he was really smart. He, he had photographic memory, right? He had photographic memory, he had like, uh, the smarts and the intelligence to be a lawyer. So for the first three seasons, the whole like, uh, drama or the, the energy in those seasons was the fact of not getting caught, right? You would see Mike like, walking on eggshells, type of sort of speak, you know, not having these missteps because if it's a slight misstep, he might get caught. Because if he, were, if he got caught, should I do the spoiler? Nah, right? No, don't spoil it. <laughs> so if he got caught, he would be thrown to jail, right? So the, uh, that was the whole idea. And there was a lot of anxiety. It created a lot of anxiety for Rosanna, <laughs> right? When, when she was watching the show, there was like the suspense, right? Sometimes she would binge for four episodes straight at late at night. Right, yeah, it's like, now she's like smiling at me going, come on, <laughs> right? It's not that bad. But uh, it was a, it's a great show. It's just that the, the whole idea the, that drove this energy of this show was the fact of Mike not getting caught, right? So, back to us. How about today? How about us right now? Are we living in some of our lies? Have we lied to ourselves? Have we ever, like, a, like living right now, as we speak, as we're sitting here, are we actually putting up a facade or a charade, saying that, oh, you know, everything's fine. You know, what's, the, what's usually fine? It's an acronym for facetious, you know, never mind. Like, um, like, fine, right? 
Or like, uh, I'm all together. But deep down, we're really not. Do we have some of the things in our closet that we don't want to reveal that we've been always hiding, even to our spouses, even to people that are in our inner circle, our closest friends, or even at church because we just don't want to do a misstep? And then the slightest, and then we're very cautious on the conversations that, oh, if I open up here, I might get caught. Do we have that? See, this Christmas, I've been uh, praying over this and uh, wondering about what should I actually tell or speak about or God, what do you want me to say? Because the Christmas story is very popular. You could Google it. The Wikipedia, you could wiki it very quickly. Right? Everybody knows it. It's on like nativity scenes. It's on the Christmas cards. What can I say? What does God want me to say to you to maybe have a different or even a fresher perspective on what it means for Christmas? And I want to commend to you one th- today, this morning, this. And here's our point I want to make. Just as Jesus entered into Herod and the Jews' world and created a great disturbance in them. Remember that word, disturb? When he, he, when he enters into our lives, when we allow him to enter into our lives, the first thing he does, it creates great disturbance. But then not only that, though, he doesn't leave us there in pieces and shambles and disturbance. He doesn't leave us when he, like, by turning everything upside down and revealing the whole closet to us. No, he doesn't leave it there. He continues to ask us, do you allow me to give you new life? Do you allow me to give you salvation from that? Do you want redemption? Then part three, and I'm sure we all want this and desire it even till today. Do you desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because my point is this, uh, and then that's filled by Pastor Fritz's point as well, for the remainder of this season, is that Christmas is an invitation for you to receive the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But the only way you can do that is to make space for the Holy Spirit in your life, to actually reveal and empty, allow Jesus to disturb all the clauses that you have, and then allow him to give you new life. All right, let's start. Matthew 1. Let's start with Matthew 1, the dreaded family tree. Remember the beget, 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 <laughs> right? What's up with that family tree? Well, for those who really want me to go through with an exegetical comb of the family tree, sorry, I'm not going to do that. Aw, right? But let's go and just uh, give a general overview of what was the whole point about the genealogy. The whole point was actually found in verse 1. Matthew 1, 1. This is the, the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay, genealogy. The Greek word for that is origin. The origin of Jesus. The genesis of Jesus. The, the uh, um, revelation of Jesus, so to speak. Okay? The revelation, the origin, the genesis of the Messiah, the anointed one, the king, the son of David, and the son of Abraham. This one sentence tells us Matthew's purpose for his whole entire book. Okay? His whole entire book is all about answering the question, who is Jesus? Jesus is the son of God, the son of David, the Messiah, and the true Israel. The true child of God. That's the whole point of his entire book. And that's the whole purpose of his entire book. It is to reveal to us that this is God. And this is the son of David. And this is the true king. 
Then, after the whole genealogy, the, he begins with the famous story of the birth of Jesus, where usually, if you've seen enough plays, like tell me, if you've seen enough plays that I've seen, you know those little like uh, children's plays, uh, where uh, there's Mary and Joseph. Who's taller? Mary. She's usually taller than the Joseph, right? It's kind of interesting. Every time I go to a children's play, Mary would say, this is my husband, <laughs> Joseph. <laughs> right? It's really funny. But anyway, back to the point. So we begin with this uh, uh, really popular story. Matthew goes on to this popular story. Mary becomes pregnant with the Holy, by the Holy Spirit. Okay, come on, folks. Do you believe that? If a lady comes up to you and says, I'm pregnant, and you go, oh, how? By the Holy Spirit. Really? <laughs> Do you believe that? Would you believe that? Okay, so put yourself in Joseph's shoes. You go, like, you know, you're, you're, you're about to be engaged with this woman. You're engaged, actually. You're about to marry her. Then suddenly she goes, surprise, I'm pregnant. And you go, wait a minute, I didn't even lay a finger on you yet because you're not allowed to. And then, uh, yeah, but I was uh, impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And then uh, Joseph, uh, Joseph would go, what? Right? Think about that. But then, Joseph, being an upright man, gets a vision, right? Being a, no, being an upright man, he planned to separate from her quietly. Because as you know, uh, as you and I know, when we explore John, what happens to women who get pregnant outside of marriage? They get stoned, remember? So, Joseph, being an upright man, did not want that to happen to Mary. And so she wa he wanted to leave her quietly. So, but then what happened? He gets this vision. And so let's move on to Matthew 1, 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So Joseph had a choice to make, right? Two choices. <laughs> One, to stay on the course, marry, 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 marry. <laughs> stay on the course, marry, marry, and adopt this son, right? He has to adopt him, Jesus. Or we do what parents do when it comes to daycare, dump and run. <laughs> right? Like, you know, just leave it. Let's get out, cut our losses, you know, and just leave Mary and go. Why is Brian laughing? Okay, because, so... But thankfully, thank God, right, that Joseph decided on the latter and chose the, chose the former, I mean, and said, I will marry her and I will adopt Jesus into the line, into my line. Why was that important? Why was it important for Joseph to adopt this son? Because in this passage, what did the angel emphasize? And this is where you could underline. The angel said, Joseph, son of David. The angel did not say son of Joseph's current father, the closest father, his direct father, right? The angel said Joseph, son of David, which means to Joseph, this is important. This child is very important and needs to be part of the line of David. Why is that? Well, first of all, he was, uh, this child was conceived by the Holy Spirit, so he's already known as the God King. Okay? He's king from God, by the Holy Spirit. But second, though, he also has to be the king of the humanity, king of the world, king of us, people. So in order to do that, he has to be in the line of a royal 
human king, which is David. You follow? So he has to be the king for all, heaven and earth, the king. So the angel told Joseph he has to fulfill both, and he is the fulfillment of the prophecy, and therefore you got to do this. You got to adopt him because you are part of the line. Do your responsibility, the kingly responsibility, the heavenly responsibility. So, to answer the question, who is Jesus? Just that one sentence. Jesus is the son of David, the son of God, the true child of God, and the Messiah, and the true king, heaven and earth king. There you go. Amazingly, in just that one phrase of what the angel told Joseph. So let's move on. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Okay, now we have a new character in this skit, King Herod. Who is King Herod? Now remember, remember we went through that genealogy? How many of you actually read that genealogy before in chapter 1? Raise your hands. Anybody? Was there any mention of Herod? It's a, it's a no question. No. no. <laughs> okay. Was there any mention of Herod in uh, that genealogy? No, right? So what is the legitimacy of Herod being king? Ooh, right? Well, let's give you, give, give you some, a little bit of background history of King Herod. Herod was actually a descendant of Esau, an Edomite. Huh. Now, you all know that Esau was a big, furry, hairy guy, right? Very red, right? Amazingly. He must have got sunburned because of all the outdoor stuff. But who did God choose? It was between him and the silky smooth Jacob, right? And who did God choose? The silky smooth Jacob. Remember that, folks. All you men out there, God choose only those who... No, just kidding. (laughs) All right, the silky smooth Jacob he chose, right? Over the big hairy Esau. Right? So strike one for Herod. He's not even an Israelite. And he's supposed to be the king of Israel. All right? Strike one for king for Herod. Second, how, did, how do kings usually become king in Israel history, in Israel culture, in the Old Testament? They are supposed to be anointed by oil by a prophet, right? A prophet from God. And it has to be the word of God to say, this is who I will place as king over my people, right? You've seen it in David, you've seen it in Solomon, you've seen it in various kings, right? Uh, Elijah did it, right? Elisha did it. So various prophets have to anoint the king. Did Herod get that? No. He got appointed by the Roman government. And not by the Roman government. He actually was just rubbing shoulders. He just happened to be the son of a high Roman official who was a brown nose to the government. Okay? So he was just at the right time, at the right place, within the right family to actually become king of Israel. Strike two. Right? So he's not a true king, not a true king of Israel, and yet he is right now. He's not part of the line of David. He wasn't an Israelite. He's actually from Esau's line, and now he got appointed by the Roman government. So what can you say? He's a fraud, just like Mike. He's a fraud. He's always been a fraud, and he knows it. Right? In fact, in order to keep his kingship, what did he do historically? He, king- he killed his brother right? in order to get his kingship. And what else did he do? He married another woman, and which we came to realize John the Baptist got beheaded for that. 
because John the Baptist kept on accusing him of, you can't do that. You can't marry the, you know, that guy's wife because you're married. And then, uh, and then King Herod would go, shut up, shut up, shut up. Why don't you shut up? And then his new wife goes, well, because he didn't shut up, just behead him. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, so, and he did. Remember that story? That whole you know, stripper stripping you know, in front of him, and then he got drunk, and then there goes John the Baptist. No, read it. So there you go, right? So King Herod is not really a king. He's a fraud. Yet what does he do historically? He was actually historically in the history books, he was known as the very good administrator though because he first rebuilt the Israelites' temple. Not just rebuilt it, he made it big, huge, huge. So big that a whole marketplace could go in there. Metro town began be in there. But then unfortunately Jesus turned the tables on Metro town, so there you go. So that, but he built that, he rebuilt that temple and made it huge, right? He made aqueducts, plumbing. He created a tax system. He created a social welfare system. And what's even more important, he gave benefits to the key Israelite elite, which were the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the chief priests, and the lawmakers. Right? He gave a lot of spiffs. He gave free tickets to the Dead Sea Spa for them so that they too could be silky smooth with proper exfoliation in the Dead Sea Spa. You figure? So. With all those perks, with all those benefits, with all that great administration, it is no wonder that the Israelites kind of overlooked that. Oh yeah, King Herod, yes, we know that he's a fraud, but look at the benefits that we're getting. Look at the perks. We're getting a free access to the club called Dead Sea, right? That part, you follow? And so it's no wonder that this happened. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. Jerusalem being the chief priests and teachers of the law. King Herod and all Jerusalem with him was disturbed. Okay, the Greek word for disturbed here used is terrasso. Terrasso, terrified. Okay? And I found this definition quite humorous, yet very appropriate and helpful to know about how King Herod and the chief priests and teachers of the law felt. Okay, so terrasso is defined as to agitate, to trouble, a thing by the movement of its parts to and fro, to cause one inward commotion, take away his calmness of mind, disturb his equanimity, to disquiet, make restless, to stir up, to trouble, to strike one's spirit with fear and dread, to render anxious or distressed, to perplex the mind of one by suggesting scruples or doubts. In other words, oh shit. Right? I'm found out. You follow? He, they got terrified. They go, oh no! The true king has arrived. And then what did they do? King Herod heard this news and he goes, what did he do? What did the chief priests of the law do? They gathered together and did what? A Bible study. Because what did they do? They quickly looked up in the prophets and they found out, oh my goodness, OMG, right? This is where it's appropriate, right? OMG, look at that in the prophet of Micah. It says, in Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. They found, they've been had. Oh man, if the people knew about this, that, he, that King Herod and the people who are associated with him, the ones who are receiving the perks, 
are found out that they were frauds, what to do? Think about it. What to do? What to do, what to do, what to do? So what does Herod do next? What do we all do? Who, that, you know, when we're kind of knowing that we're going to be found out, what do we usually do about lies? We cover it with another lie, right? And another lie, and another lie. Herod wanted to cover it up even more so. So he goes, I need to eliminate the very thing that's going to reveal the truth. And so what does he do? He tells, he goes on to, um, in Matthew chapter 2, oh wait, no, he goes into and tells the Magi, oh, what does, he, what does he tell the Magi? Tell me where he is when you come back, and I will go and worship him. But really his intent was to kill the baby, right? To eliminate the very thing that will reveal the truth about him, that he, King Herod was a fraud. To eliminate the very true, the revealer of the truth. But then something even worse happened. You know, when the, it's kind of like us too. When the, we start to realize, oh no, that didn't work, what else do we do? We do things that are irrational. And so Herod, what does he do? He does something even more, work, even worse. What does he do in Matthew chapter 2, verse 16 to 18? When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, because the Magi didn't go back, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled, a voice heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Interesting enough, the author mentioned Rachel. Rachel is the mother of who? Joseph, right? The true, the, the Israelite line that God has chosen, right? They're like uh, Rachel. So, and it's Jacob's wife, Jacob, Esau, right? You follow? So he, like Matthew is giving us tidbits of parallelism here that it is Rachel that's weeping, right? Not the Esau line, but the Jacob line is, is weeping. You follow? Okay, so looking at Herod's actions, you can tell that his cover-up was spiraling out of control. He committed a horrible act of genocide just to cover up his lies so that no one will know that he was a fraud. But wait a minute though, how about the teachers of the law? How about those chief priests, were they frauds then? Well, unfortunately, they went along with this. In the Old Testament, if you recall, what, were the, what was the job of the priests and the law and the teachers? They were supposed to guide the kings. They were supposed to be the guide. They were supposed to keep the kings in line, in check. But unfortunately, it appears that they didn't do the job here. They didn't do it. And uh, unfortunately, they are part of the crime as well. They are part of this fraudulent claims of that they are true Israelites because they're not doing their job. And like the Old Testament, when we see that the Israelites and their leaders do not do their job, what happens? Disaster strikes. And we see that happening right now. That innocent lives get hurt or even killed. Time and time again in the Old Testament, every time Israel rejects God and does not obey God and does not uh, correct the leaders, they get hurt. Let's move on. So the true child of God, Jesus the Messiah, the anointed one who will save his people from their sins, from themselves, has arrived, has revealed the falsehood, the fraudulent claims of King Herod and the Jews. What happens next? Let's go on to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. 
She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You know, it's interesting when uh, we usually generalize the word sin. But now that we know that the sins were actually about lying, about fraudulent claims, about various things about ourselves, Jesus' arrival on Christmas Day is actually to save us from those things. How many of us right now, including myself, as, have ever reflected upon ourselves and just looked at ourselves in the mirror and said to ourselves, what lies am I actually depending on right now that I'm not willing to release to God, release to Jesus? Because here's the thing. I want to commend to you today to start to desire to be filled by the Holy Spirit. But, one of the, but part of the process, the very first step in receiving the Holy Spirit, in receiving to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be empowered and feel that personal, experience, tangible experience, that power of the Holy Spirit inside your body and outside, to affect the, your entire lifestyle, to affect your life, first step is actually to allow Jesus to open up all your closets and to reveal everything to him. That's the first step. Because one of my friends one time said, you can't get filled with the Holy Spirit if there's no room for the Holy Spirit. And are we, do we have things in our closet that needs to be empty? You see, when we pray to God, and when we pray that please fill us with our Holy Spirit, we, do we do that often? Do we also have, uh, like, uh, say in the same breath and admit, Lord Jesus, turn my closets upside down. Take this whole life of mine and just shake it out and reveal everything that I've done every nook and cranny, every sin, and everything that I'm holding on to, that I am permitting it to hold on to. You see what I'm getting to get there? There are, there are sins that we don't know of that, that we are actually allowing it to sit in our life. We are allowing it a legal, uh, my friend says, a legal privilege for this sin to sit in our lives. Do we allow that? Do we see any of those sins, any of these evil spirits inside of us that we allow to, for the evil spirit to just sit there? If there is, there is no room for the Holy Spirit to come in. We have to empty it. Now, if we, and then how, how many of us, some of us, have not emptied and have felt this burden, this bondage, this chains of, of deceit, the chains of lies that we're depending on, and we're trying to hold on to it, and we're trying to live on it, and if we find out we're going to collapse, how many of us are anxious on that? How many of us are, have anxiety and nervousness that sooner or later we're going to get found out? Any misstep, we're going to get found out. How many of us are experiencing that? Well, praise God. Jesus, he is here to save you from that, from those sins. Christmas Day is the arrival of Jesus to come into this world to save his people, you and I, from our sins. He is here to reveal to us, empty our closets, but not only that, to offer us, and if we allow him, to redeem our life and make it new. And the amazing part, to be filled with his Holy Spirit. This next few weeks, our, our trajectory here is to hope that and commend to you and to hopefully urge you and entice you to have that desire to be filled by the Holy Spirit. Because if you don't realize in Luke, it was all about the Holy Spirit. Every individual was filled by the Holy Spirit and they had immense joy. They didn't care who was in front of them. 
in front of them. They just celebrated. They were filled. They knew that the Holy Spirit was in them. They just felt amazing, and they had a new life. They were able to live a new life, a new perspective. Do you want that? If you do, then the very first step is to pray to Jesus and say, reveal to me every single evil spirit that I'm still allowing to have a resident in my life and eradicate it. Denounce it. In the name of Jesus, go. And then invite Jesus to redeem your life and to make it anew. Make that your prayer. Say that I believe that you forgive me. I believe that you forgive my sins past, present, and future. I believe, and I believe that you will redeem me once I reveal to you, Jesus, of all the spirits and the evil and the sins that, are in, that I'm allowed to take hold in my life. Then fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to feel that fire, that passion, that energy, that empowerment, that new perspective of life. Like uh, David Bentel says, I want to change my life. Make it anew. 